what you're thinking. That's not John. It looks like he ate John. No. <laughs> Good news is John is safe. He's up in Oregon with his family. They're um, having some well-deserved vacation time, so kids are off school and off work and all that kind of stuff, so they're getting some family time together. And I saw some pictures of them camping and flying the drone, and they're doing all sorts of stuff. So you can follow John on his Facebook page if you're wondering what antics he's up to. But we're doing a, a series for the next few weeks called Different Voices. And what that is referring to is we're going to have a couple of different speakers. In case you weren't here last week, we have a different speaker for the next four or five weeks. Um, actually, we have the same one for the next two weeks, which is kind of nice, too, um, from within our denomination. So in case you don't know, uh, Living Spring Church is part of the uh, Free Methodist Church of Southern California. So we have about 56 churches and growing. Last I heard it's 56, but I feel like we're growing quickly. So uh, 56 churches here in Southern California. And so we're going to have a couple of speakers come from, uh, from a few of those different churches over the next few weeks. You guys are really in for a great, great treat. I know every one of these people personally, and they are amazing, amazing people. So uh, that's why I was asked to introduce uh, our speaker today. Um, this man, uh, before John was here, okay, pre-John, PJ, Wow, a lot of PJs when he said pre-John, pre uh, there was a young associate pastor here by the name of Buzzy Ennis. You got some of you might remember Buzzy. There's a few clappers here. Who just booed? Somebody <laughs> booed. Luckily, he won't hear this on Facebook Live because he's preaching right now. So thank you very much, whoever booed. Uh, but anyway, so, uh, but pre-Buzzy, literally pre-Buzzy, uh, there was the man who created Buzzy. And... <laughs> and uh, they are the Ennis family, seniors, so Gary and Marty are both here, they're in the front row, and uh, this family has, I'm going to do this without crying, <laughs> this family has been a huge blessing on me uh, personally, my whole life, uh, for, it seems like, at least my whole adult life, there's been times where uh, I've seeked counsel from these two, um, there's times that I've sat under their teachings, uh, there's times that I've just called them to hear their voices, um, and there's times that I just, uh, I've been loved and my family has been loved deeply. Uh, you guys are really in for a great treat. Um, that there's no, uh, I'm not hyping this by any means. These people love the Lord, love each other and love us. And so, um, pastor Gary also serves as our, one of our three superintendents here. So he's, uh, John's boss. So if you ever want to get John in trouble, this is the guy you can talk to. So take advantage of this. The next two weeks he'll be here in case you want to get John in trouble. So this is your chance. So Gary, can you come on up and I'll pray for you? <laughs> Gary Emmett. God, we praise you for the, uh, the Ennis family, Father, and everything that they mean to our conference, Father, to our church, and just to our lives. God, I ask that you come this morning in a mighty way through Gary, Father, that you, uh, you speak clearly through him, Father, that you pierce our hearts with your words, Lord, and that we have an opportunity uh, to, to hear your word directly from Gary. In your name mm. we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you. Hey, it's, um, it's really great to be here with you. You may not know this. Well, I guess Aaron mentioned it. Um, back in the 80s, that Gaither song was probably one of the big contemporary songs we were doing back in the 80s. I was a part of this church. I was on staff at this church. I was the director of family ministries. And my office used to be the office out facing the basketball court on the corner. And Don Rogers was the youth pastor of this church at that time. And Don's was on the other side. And we were connected by this little tiny bathroom. And got to know one another then. And Don is one of my long life friends. I know he's a, 
a part of this church. I know you support him at this church, uh, Empowering Lives International, and I happen to have the privilege to serve on the board of directors of Empowering Lives International. And so it was in the 80s that I came to this church. And, um, and another thing you might not know about me is Living Spring Christian Fellowship is the only church in over 40 years that I was fired from. (laughs) Now the whole buzzy connection makes a lot of sense, huh? (laughs) No, I'm serious. I was fired from this church. Not for doing something wrong, but for doing something right. And I'll explain that in a minute. But I knew... I knew when I came to this church that it was God's will that I was here. I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that God had brought me to this church to be on staff. It's, it's a wonderful thing when, you, when you're seeking God's will and you know you're in the middle of it. And I, and I would imagine all of us that are Christ followers, we, we want God's will in our life. And so this morning when, when I was talking to Pastor John about being here this morning and, and, and having the opportunity to preach, I asked him, I said, what do, you, what do you want me to talk about? He says, oh, anything that you want. And I said, well, how about if I start off by telling him I got fired from this place? And he said, oh, that'd be great. They'd love that. I, I don't know what you'd love about that, but yeah, do that. That'd be great. They'd love that thing. So, uh, but, but I want to talk about God's will. Because I imagine every one of us here wants God's will in our life. So if you've got your Bibles, open them up to Judges chapter 6. There's a a story here that that really shows someone that's, that's struggling with knowing that this is God or not. And let me set it up for you. In verse 1, and I'm not going to read the verse, but in verse 1 it talks, it says, And they did evil in the sight of the Lord. They did evil in the sight of the Lord. And if you, if you go back and you read the whole book of Judges, you'll, you'll see this throughout that book. You'll say they did evil in the sight of the Lord, and just things were terrible for them. And then it says, and they'll, they'll return to the Lord, and the Lord starts blessing them, and things start going really well for them. Well, in this particular case, they were doing evil in the sight of the Lord, and it had been seven years Seven years of doing what was right in their own eyes. Seven years of, of, of being oppressed by the Midianites. Seven years. And, and you would think they would get a hint, but maybe as the Bible was, you know, as this history was unfolding, they didn't know it, but you, if you read it, you see a pattern. And it's the same pattern in our life. Do evil in the sight of the Lord the bottom falls out. Do return to doing right what's in the sight of the Lord, things get better. Evil in the sight of the Lord, bad. Return to the Lord, good. You would think they'd, fill, they'd figure that pattern out and say, hey, let's do what's right in the sight of the Lord. But they didn't get it any more than we do. Because we'll do the same thing. Things will be going great. And then all of a sudden, this little voice says, oh, you know what? You should go do that. And we'll say, well, that's wrong to do that. And I say, yeah, I know, but it would feel good. And we find ourselves over there. And then the bottom falls out. 
So it, it's no different. We can't judge them because we do the same thing that, that they found themselves doing. And then it says, and they cried out to the Lord. They cried out to the Lord. So now, look at verse 7 of Judges 6. It says, when the Israelites cried out to the Lord because of Midian, he sent them a prophet who said, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. I brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I snatched you from the power of Egypt and from the, the hand of your oppressors. I drove them out before you and gave you their land. I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live. But you have not listened. The Israelites did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and began to be oppressed. And then they cried out. And God reminds them of all the things he did for them. Hey, I brought you out of Egypt. I gave you this land. He reminds them of all the things that, that he did for them. And yet, here they are. They've forgotten those things. And they're experiencing all these difficulties. And if we're honest, we do the same thing. We do the same thing. Now, look, look again. Because God sends this angel to interact with Gideon. Verse 12. It says, when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. But sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all the wonders that our fathers told us about? When they said, did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and put us into the hand of Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength that you have. And save Israel out of Midian's hands. Am I not sending you? If we're looking for God's will, I don't know about you, but if an angel showed up, I'm in. <laughs> it wouldn't take a whole lot of convincing, especially if the angel said, mighty warrior. It's like, really? You're looking at me? Because if an angel feels that way about you and says this about you, wow. But Gideon wasn't so uh, connected that he was able to, to experience that. Because they had been walking in the ways that uh, were evil. Now look at verse 15. But Lord, Gideon said, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh. And I am the least in my family. Isn't it interesting? And we do this. I do this. I won't project that on you, but I do this. If God brings something in my path, here's what I want you to do. I'm the first one to say, God, isn't there somebody that could do it better? I mean, really, God, you know, and I can list off all my weaknesses and all my flaws because I know them well. And I'm trying to convince the one who created me, who knows me better than anyone else. Because the truth be told, I can put on a smiley face this morning and make you think that the world is going great for me. When inside, I'm dying. We do that. Unless the place is safe. And I'm really glad that this is a safe place. 
I'm glad that, that you guys continue to be family and connections and, and even the way that you follow up on those that, that are absent for a couple of weeks. But we tend to do that. We, we tend to try to convince God that he's made a mistake, that what's really, you know, he's asking us to do. He just doesn't know who we are because if he did, he wouldn't be asking us to do it because, wow. Now, look at verse 16. The Lord said... I will be with you, and you will strike down the Midian. We'll, we'll strike down all the Midianites together. When we're asked to do something by God, we need to know we're not alone. If God asks you to do it, he's going to do it with you. He's going to empower you to do it and do it with you. Now, Gideon goes on, and he asks for other signs. I'll let you read between 17 and 35 for homework, or if you're looking for something for your devotions this week. Just read this chapter over and over and over again. But the part where God's will, seeking God's will, is involved in verse 36. It says, Gideon said to God, If you'll save Israel by my hand as you promised, look, I will place a fleece on the threshing floor, and if there's dew on the fleece and the ground is dry, then I'll know you'll save Israel by my hand, as you said. And this is what happened. Gideon rose early the next day, squeezed the fleece, and wrung out the dew, a bowl full of water. Then Gideon said to God, and this this is so human, this is so us. Don't be angry with me, but let me just have one more request. Allow me one more test with the fleece. This time, make the fleece dry and the ground covered with dew. That night, God did so. Only the fleece was dry and the ground was covered with dew. This is the story where we, we come up with the term putting out a fleece. When, we, when we're looking, trying to discern God's will, we'll put out a fleece. That's where that term came from. I told you at the beginning that... Um, I knew that it was God's will that I be at this church. I knew that God had brought me to this church to be on staff. And here's how. My wife and I were living up in the Bay Area. I had uh, just completed about a four to five year goal. I decided to go back and get my master's degree in marriage family therapy After I finished that degree, I had to complete 3,000 supervised hours. (laughs) That was worse than the master's degree, I tell you. Then after that, you have to take the state test. Did that. And I finally had my license to do therapy. I had opened up a private practice. I had a full practice with a waiting list. So big goal completed. I mean... You know, everything I'd wanted, everything I'd, I'd been shooting for for years had been accomplished. And, and the kids were off at camp, and Marty and I decided we were going to come to Southern California. Tim Ellis, uh, my brother-in-law, it's Marty's sister he's married to, Wendy. Um, he was on staff at this church. He was the worship director. And, and so we came down. We were going to be staying with them and just kind of going around Southern California and spending time there. Got to... Uh, go over to the pastor of the church's at that time's house and have a barbecue and we really hit it off and loved the church and even the pastor said hey you should come down here and be on staff and I smiled and said well love it but 
no thank you. you know, look what I just finished up there. I'm not going to move to Southern California. And so we went back up to Northern California, continued my private practice, and about a month later, I get a phone call from the pastor. And he says, I really want you to consider moving to Southern California and coming on staff at this church. You know, and I, I didn't know what to say. It's like, well, and I know better that if somebody asks you to consider something, even if it seems stupid <laughs> or seems so far-fetched, at least give it some prayer. I can't tell you how many times if I had, if I had made a decision that um, this thing was offered and I just decided not to do it because it just didn't seem right, how many opportunities I would have missed. And so I told him, I said, hey, listen, here's what I'll do. I'll pray about it. And I prayed about it. And there was this part of me that thought, you know, maybe this is God. So at that time, we got our family together in the living room, and I said, hey, guys, there's a church down in Southern California that is interested in me coming down and interviewing for a position in that church. And my daughter, Jen, who was probably about 14 or 15 years old at the time, got up and said, Dad, you can't move us. You can't take me away from all my friends. What are you thinking about? Stormed upstairs slammed the door, locked the door, and it was the first night that I didn't kiss my girl goodnight when I was in the house. I called the pastor up the next day and said, hey, we're not coming. Just, it's, nah. And I thought it was done. About two months later, he calls me up. And he says, listen, every time I pray about you, this position, your face comes up. I really think God wants you here. And I said, okay. I'm going to put out a fleece. If God answers the things on this fleece, then we'll go forward. And he said, well, what is it? And I said, I'm not telling you. <laughs> and I wrote down on the fleece, I, you know, I said, okay, we need to make at least this much in a salary. We need this and this and this. And I, I think I had four or five things that I'd written down. The bottom thing, change Jenny's heart. That would be God. I mean, the rest of it can all work out and God can use that. You know, so if you put out a fleece, you don't want to say, God, I'll know this is your will if the sun comes up in the morning. <laughs> you know, you know the sun's going to come up. So... If you, if you decide that you're going to seek God's will and put out a fleece, then at least put something that you think only God can do this. So I called him up and I said, hey, what's the salary? And he says, well, what do you need? I said, that's not the question. What's the salary? And he told me, check. And every time I looked into something, it was another check off the list until everything's done except for Change Jen's heart. So we had a family meeting. I said, hey, remember that church down in Southern California that, that wanted us to come down and possibly interview for? And we're waiting. You know, I'm looking over at Jen. It's like, any second now, boom, eruption. Here's what she said. Dad, where would we live? 
And I said, well, I don't know. That would be part of going down there to check it out. Where would I go to school? I don't know. That would be part of checking it out. And then she said this. Dad, if God's calling you to Southern California, he's calling all of us because we're a family. Check. (laughs) So when I came to interview for the job, they must have just thought I was some cocky guy from Northern California because I knew I was getting the job. I mean, I, I don't care what you ask me, and if I really blow the interview, I'm coming. This is God's will. I just was that confident. Now, long story short, we came here. We loved it. Things were going great. But sometime afterwards, something just wasn't right. Something in my heart just knew that something was wrong, but I could not put my finger on it. Well, it came to find out that the pastor was being sexually inappropriate with some women in the church. And I had the incredible privilege to confront it. He left town in the middle of the night, and I was fired two weeks later. But you know what? I knew that I knew that I knew that God had brought me here. And maybe he brought me here just to do that. When you are walking in God's will, you can walk in confidence, and it doesn't matter if the bottom falls out, which it did. If God called you to do it, that bottom is exactly where you're supposed to be. And God has this incredible way of redeeming things. I went home and I told my family what had happened. And my son said, Dad, I love God. I don't ever want anything to do with his church. And my daughter said something very similar. And my wife was in nursing school, so she didn't have to go to church on Sunday. She volunteered to work every weekend. It was pretty incredible when one of your previous pastors, Pastor Jim McGee, called me up one day and he said, Hey, uh, I've been praying about a youth pastor. And every time I pray about that, Buzzy's face comes to my mind. I said, Do you know Buzzy? Do you, I mean, do you know who Buzzy is? Because those of you who don't know Buzzy, Buzzy, if, if this is the edge, Buzzy lives over here somewhere. God redeemed the place where Buzzy said, done with church. And he became the youth pastor at the very same church. Today, he's the lead pastor at Lamb's Fellowship in Lake Elsinore. Today, my daughter is in charge of women's ministry at Lamb's Fellowship in Lake Elsinore. Today, I'm one of the superintendents. I'm the guy that goes around and fires people. (laughs) Today... I'm one of the superintendents of this conference. God has this incredible way of taking what looks like chaos and bringing it right back into order and showing us it's his plan. And it was all because of a fleece. When you're looking for God's will, now I need to let you know, I probably only put out two or three fleeces in my life. That, I mean, that's, that's big stuff, God's will. And so in the time I've got remaining, and John told me I had an hour and a half to preach to you this morning, so (laughs) in the time I've got remaining, I want to take and give you four 
things that you and I can look at in discerning God's will in our life on an everyday basis. And they're four very, very simple things. The first one is this. Read his word. That seems so simple. In Psalm 119, 105, it says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. When we open God's word, you don't realize it sometimes. I, th- I forget it too. When you're about to open up his word, before you even open it, say, God, I know I'm getting ready to walk into a gold mine. Show me a nugget. Just give me one. Because I can guarantee you, if I took you to the entrance of a mine and said, there's gold in there, and I can show you where to get it, you would say, show me, and you would pay attention. Folks, I'm telling you, this is chock full of gold. All you have to do is say, God, show me something. And then read it. Read the book. And if you do, especially if you're looking for his will, he will show you things that you've not seen before. As you read these stories, these wonderful stories, as you hear these struggles that these other believers have faced, it can give you such incredible insight. So if you're seeking his will, read his word. The second one seems so simple. Pray. Just pray. Philippians 4 Verse 6 says, don't be anxious about anything, but in prayer and petition, let your request be known. Thanksgiving. Just pray. I think prayer is one of the most underused things that God has given us. Can you imagine that? We have access to the creator of the universe. We got his ear. Never a busy signal. Never too busy, never uh, on another call, text, you know, none of that. You got his attention. And we will say there's something before us and we want to try to figure it out and we'll run over here and run over there and do this and do that and all these things when we've got access to him through prayer. Just pray. I can't imagine the number of things that I would not have stepped into if I didn't take time to pray. I would never have come to Southern California because it just absolutely made no sense. Why would I achieve this goal that I knew was his goal for my life? Why would I spend all that time and energy and money and effort just to walk away from it all? But when I prayed about it, he just chipped away and showed me, yeah, this, I know that's important and that's part of the plan. I believe that made me a better pastor. I believe that gave me sensitivity into people's lives. Pray, he'll answer. And the third one is just as simple as the first two. Ask others. Proverbs 15, 22, plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. If there are trusted people in your life that, that you really value what they have to say, go to other people. Now, let me say this as a warning. 
Make sure that you go to, if you're a believer, go to believers. Don't go to a, unbelie- a non-believer and say, hey, what do you think I should do with it? They don't even have a clue what you're talking about. You're living in a different standard than they live. So if you're going to go and seek counsel from other people, you do it with people who have the same standard of living that you have. Now, here's the warning about those three things. We can manipulate every one of them. I can say, okay, that pastor told me to read God's word. Let's see, I really want to do this. And Oh, there's a verse that affirms what I want to do. Check. See, we can manipulate God's word. We can manipulate prayer. Father, what is it that you would like for me to do? I hear nothing. We can choose to listen or not listen and hear what he wants us to do or not hear what he wants us to do. So we can manipulate reading the word. We can manipulate prayer. We can even manipulate asking others because I know if I go to Jonathan, he's going to tell me what I want to hear. But if I ask Milsey, Milsey's going to get my face and say, you know what you really need to do? You need to do this. There's a proverb that says, wounds from a friend can be trusted. We need to have people in our life that are willing to tell us the truth, even it'll hurt us. But see, we can manipulate even going to people because we can choose to go to people that we know will tell us what we want to hear. But I remember I told you there's four things. The fourth one is seek God's peace because you can't make yourself be at peace. You can't manipulate it. You can try all day long. I want to be at peace. You can't. You, you know what? It reminds you of the Seinfeld. Serenity now. You can't do it. <laughs> I lost some of you because you don't remember Seinfeld. <laughs> you can't make yourself be at peace. You cannot manipulate it. But even in the midst of a storm in your life, if God is with you, you can be at peace. That day that I was told that I had lost my job, I was hurt, but I was at peace. Because I knew. God, you brought me here. I knew. I wish you would have used someone else, but I knew. God, if that's what you have for me, then okay. That song that we sang. That's a dangerous song to sing. It really is if you take it serious. Now, if you just say, oh, there's a neat lyric. I'll just quote that lyric. I surrender all. That's a dangerous thing to tell God. I surrender it all. Everything. I'm yours. Do with me whatever you want. I surrender. Because God's got big stuff to do. And we are his hands, his feet, his mouth, his ears, his eyes. He chose us as his instruments to fulfill his purposes. And so when you're seeking his will, he's not hiding it from you. Some of us feel that way. It's like we say, God, what do you want me to do here? And then we are so instant in our responses that we we wait 15 seconds and say... 
on. We do. When you're seeking his will, you say, Father, show me. And then you read his word, and then you pray, and you talk to others, and you seek the peace. And when you've got those things going for you, you can walk in confidence because just like he told Gideon, I'm with you. We're going to do it. You're never alone. I love, I love what we call the Great Commission, that last part of it where Jesus says, I'm with you always, even until the end of the age. You're not alone. might feel like it, but you're never alone. You're always walking in his presence. And so this morning, I just want to encourage you, because I know some of you are probably seeking his will. Some of you are facing things that don't make any sense to you, and some of you are probably facing challenges. Maybe it's because you've walked away from what God has his best for you, and you're facing the consequences of that choice. You need to hear Just like what happened with Gideon and the Israelites, they cried out to the Lord, and he didn't say, ah, nah, it's been seven years. Seven years is my limit. That's all I'll wait. He answered. So I don't know whether it's been seven hours, seven days, seven months, or seven years, but you need to hear this morning that God's not hiding from you, and he's not hiding his will from you. He's ready to partner with you and face whatever needs to be faced. I want to say this in closing, that I'm so proud of this church. I'm proud of this church because of what this church has been through. For for the things that you faced, and some of you weren't here, and some of you were. But you've you've made it through. You've weathered the storm, and you're doing great things. I love seeing your picture on Facebook when you go out into the community. We won't know till heaven what that means, what difference that made. You might have got a thank you. You may have been appreciated by the city, but you won't know the lives that change until probably heaven. But when we go outside of these walls and and share the love of Jesus with those that aren't looking for him, he will bounce us into people that will find him. And so I just affirm you. I love your pastor. I think he's doing a great job. But if any of you do have anything that you'd like to tell me, (laughs) and John, if you're listening, (laughs) so let me pray. Father, I am grateful this morning for for your love for us, for your mercy and your grace for the way you desire to use us and partner with us and walk with us through the storms. God, I pray your blessing on this church. I pray, God, for for that person that's sitting here this morning that this connected with. They've been looking. They've been wondering. I pray that your spirit penetrated their heart this morning. They were able to see maybe one or two things they need to start doing and taking seriously. God, I just thank you that you're always there. You're always willing. And you desire us. I love you this morning, Father. And I thank you for loving us. 
pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.